down Dodge. So, um, so we have a situation where um, nobody here can see anybody online, even though we're oriented to see you. We can only see ourselves. So um, I'll let you know the bit. But I think online you can see us all, can you not? Yeah. So you can see us. We can't see you. So you're free to misbehave. Uh, no one, no one can see you. But but I can see you. So I, yeah, I've got you here. Um, but just you know, we've got Mimi, Griselda, Robert, Elizabeth so far with us. So there they are. And. Um, We we are um, close to having a, a better video. If you see behind you, it's an impressive looking thing, but it, it doesn't. We know how to use it yet. If you look on your screen to the right, there's a, there's a, a TV with you can see one speaker, uh, but um, or to the left, I should say, of the screen. But um, okay, let us begin. Blessed Lord has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which has given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Robert, just mute yourself when you're not talking. So we get a little background noise from your spot. We want we definitely want people to participate online, but just mute and unmute when you're when you want to, want to say something. I'll go ahead and unmute it. Um, so we didn't for first time ever we didn't finish the appointed psalm for the first time. So we so we uh, so maybe we'll see how we do today with Psalm 91. Uh, but we have Psalm 23, so maybe there's a lot of, uh, to talk about with that. Um, so let's, um, let's begin by reading uh, Psalm 23, and then let's talk about what it has to say to us. Again, I'm reading it from the New King James Version. Now, there's a, a, a time-tested love for the King James Version, which still appears to have been lovely memorized it that way. Um, but other variants could help to draw nuances of meaning. So, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, um... This, the, the, the title in, in um, the Hebrew Bible is the Psalm of David, so it's attributed to David. Um, what about this would, would, would connect it to what, what, was, what was David? A shepherd. A shepherd. So, um, 
these are things probably that as he led um, sheep to water and fed them and did all these things, he, he got that that was a kind of um, metaphor for God's loving care. So who else in the Bible is a shepherd? Christ. Moses. Well, he's a good shepherd. He was carpenter before that. Oh, that's true. Rachel, I forgot, Rachel. Yeah, Rachel, you're a Rachel, shepherd, shepherd. I mean, so uh, it was, who, who, going back to Genesis of um, oh, the Cain and Abel, who was a shepherd? No. Abel. 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 Yeah. yeah. All, all, of, all of the, you know, well, let's just say this. There seems to be a, a preferential option for the shepherds and God's chosen. He chooses a lot of shepherds. So, so and of course, it's completely foreign to us because we don't spend our, we don't have flocks. Um, uh, although more and more people are getting backyard chickens, so there's some. That's kind of the, the new thing to try to get back to some agrarian way. Uh, we did have a, we actually did have a family move to Indiana. And bought some. She was a professor, and uh, who began to raise uh, some lambs. And he told me about again. He would they would actually um, kill a lamb each year and, and use the meat. And he talked about how that uh, gave him a renewed appreciation uh, mm -hmm. for various things. Uh, but anyway, the point is, we don't really get all this imagery as much. And for us, it's it's very um, it's very pastoral imagery, but. It would have been really, really hard work to be a shepherd, um, and um, sheep aren't easy to care for. So, in the Bible, there are um, there are two passages I think when we're talking about shepherds that you really want to know about. Um, I mean, there's a lot of them, Psalm 23, one, but but in terms of informing the New Testament uh, perspective, where in John 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So the Lord is my shepherd. Of course, David here is writing, you know, a thousand years before Christ, but connects thematically to that. But the, 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 the first chapter is Ezekiel chapter 34. And I'll read some from it if mark it and look at it or you can turn whatever sounds good to you. It says, the word of the Lord, in Ezekiel chapter 34, Ezekiel's writing, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God to the shepherds. Now, We'd be clear here that when God is talking about the shepherds, he's now using shepherd as a metaphor for leader. He's not saying, go out and yell at these people who are tending sheep in the field. Right. <laughs> uh, and Ezekiel is a, um, a prophet of the exile, so that um, he's actually prophesying in uh, Babylon. A lot of this ministry takes place over there, and it's likely that at that point in time, Israel didn't get that settled, but they probably didn't have a lot of flocks and herds yet. So the shepherd, there would be no 
you know, they've been displaced from the land, and now God is is calling his shepherds, which he uses as a, as an image for the leader. The shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains on every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking them. So this is, he's using now the dispersed sheep as a metaphor for the exile, because you leaders didn't lead them in the right way. They're scattered, and, and they're mostly in Babylon, but of course, they're all over the place, because Babylonians took some over there, and some were left there, and some were just now, you know, without, without leadership. And then um, when he goes on in... Um, To say in verse 10, I, the Lord God, I'm against the shepherds. I will require my flock at their hands. But then in verse 11, Ezekiel 34, verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. So the idea of the shepherd regathering the sheep, but he, but he says, I myself will gather them. So when we get to John chapter 11, excuse me, John chapter 10, verse 11. And you remember in John, he is, uh, he'll, he'll, uh, well, I'll just read, I'll read it so you have it in mind. I, John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he was not the shepherd. One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I am known by my own. And he talks in a place where, where he will he calls his sheep by name, which is a, a phenomenon. Of... So, in, in shepherd, in in the work of of being a shepherd, how would a shepherd be called to give his life for the sheep? Uh, 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 wild animal wild come, animals yeah. come, yeah. So there is, it's um, it's interesting in just a few places where uh, I know there's a family in. Um, well, I, I went up to a uh, with Myron, went up to this retreat center outside of Placerville, where they're uh, this is called I own house. They had a few animals, and um, a couple goats. It was a left hand, but they can still. <laughs> um, 
And uh, before they had actually fenced it in one night, mountain lion came down and jumped up, and it was not pretty. So, in other words, this, these images we have, it, it, they don't give necessarily the sound, but just how dangerous this is. And if you see a predator tearing an animal apart, um, and, and so, uh, so a good shepherd is, is typically would, there'd be a sheep fold and, and, and the shepherd would be often at the gate, which you had to come in. Well, um, I haven't done any research past Malcolm Gladwell on this, but, um, Malcolm Gladwell in his take on David and Goliath is a good, is a read you should, it's, well, get to Ted, don't. That's about the whole book. Just Google TED Talk, David and Goliath, everything you need to know there. But what he essentially says is that we tend to we tend to see David as this little boy with a slingshot who's shooting at cans over there. Now he's against Goliath, this warrior. Uh, but 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 uh, his take is that um, that the sling was an ancient artillery and a skilled uh, bearer of the sling could could hit. Uh, a, a, a target at some distance with with great accuracy. So this is what we're talking with David. Think, you know, the ancient equivalent of a rifle, but but it's it's by hand. So, um, yeah, sharpshooter. Yeah, yeah, not just yeah, right? Because anyone have a uh, uh, gun and mess it up. Um, and this other take, which is a little to digress slightly, but. Um, is that Goliath seeming to be this giant, you know, warrior so fearsome, probably had some kind of genetic disease that that, that pertained to he's probably big and scary looking, but he's probably cumbersome, his eyes probably weren't that probably wasn't that nimble on the battlefield. And there's there's a whole metaphor there about about good and evil, you know, that evil sometimes looks big and scary. I think about the um, you know the the leaders he was in you world that we have resources. I think Eugene Peterson wrote a book called Five Smooth Stones, you know, taking because David took five smooth stones from the from the brook and, and used the sling to, to take down Goliath, but that when we're surrounded by evil that looks big, it's bark, you know, we have the resources in Christ too. And that's what David says in the battle. Remember, you know, he's taunting Israel Snow that that trusting in God, he thinks he can go do it. But he also knows. He also knows he can walk up to him and, and, and he probably knows Goliath can't do that. So, um, so, but, but quite apart from whether, I, I don't know how common it was for, um, a shepherd to be an expert slingsman, but clearly a shepherd had to be able to, 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 to fight animals. And if you were afraid of them, you probably couldn't, you, you know, you see the wolf coming and you flee because you don't want to stand in there. So there's that image. So I, I you know, um, there's a lot of different considerations there that I cannot opine on, not the least of which is what kind of wolves would be running around the mountains of Israel and how, how you know, just because it doesn't happen in one place, one kind of wolf doesn't mean it doesn't happen in another place, another kind. Of, we just don't, I, I don't know, I'm not prepared to, to, does anyone have the great, has anyone heard of the great shepherd sermon about the? We do know the details. Well, I think that he might be interested in the person if the person was protecting what, what was after. Yeah. 
you know, yeah, that yeah, he was right. protecting the prey for the wolf. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, like most predators might leave you alone, but if you're standing between they want to get, you might. Dinner. Um, yeah. yeah. A mountain lion, definitely. We're on <laughs> yeah. their food list for sure, but I mm -hmm. also like to squash the so so that's some of the biblical backdrop there of of uh the shepherds of the old testament david the shepherd um the prophetic denunciation in in the exile of the shepherds and then the Son of God becoming man and saying, I am the good shepherd. So um, there'll be layers then of meaning for the psalm here. One will be personal and devotional, but there'll be a sort of, of you know, in the perspective of Christ. Um, so let, let's look at it on some of these different levels. Um, first of all, Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that suggest? Okay. So, so I mean, let's work that out a little bit because that could be simplistically understood, right? Is anything you want now that you maybe don't have exactly? And, and how, how does he? And how does he? What's that? Nothing we're saying Janis Joplin. <laughs> but there's also great faith. Mm -hmm. So let's talk. Let's hear from you. I'm, 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 I'm going to let I'm going to let the silence sit here for a while. You explain to me when you say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What do you mean by that? I didn't mean Christianity, um, and he was just saying. We get, C.S. Lewis was saying, we get so caught up in this life, and we keep thinking we need this and this and this, and God is, has our eternal life in perspective, and he knows exactly what we need for our eternal life. If we kept remembering, no, I'm going to live eternally after, like, just appreciating so much what God is giving us, and well, I'm hearing the song, uh, thank God for unanswered prayers, <laughs> you know, he's talking about it. My old high school flame, he's so glad he didn't marry her. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but anyway, so it's just like, uh, keep as we keep trusting him in faith, there's also all these verses that say, I've never seen the righteous begging for bread or forsaken. Like, I mean, he is the bread of life, so he keeps, he's going to keep as we look to him for physical things and eternal things. He's going to keep providing for us. So, so what is what what does he provide us now that is eternal? That is eternal. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Okay, yeah. but, okay. Spirit. The Holy Spirit working what in us? Making a new creation. Okay. So, what's that? What 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 pertains? What what kind of things did we did he give us that pertains to the new creation? New mind, renewing our mind. Okay. We get the new Christ, the body and blood of Christ all the time. We get the the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. What else? I think of, I think of like, with want, too, I think of the Holy Spirit quenches that longing mm -hmm. in us. Um, well, you know, they, they always say that the good die young, 
and and I think that probably is true. I mean, I would consider myself perhaps a slow learner because I'm not young, but um, I'm lazy. Keep on after it. That's what that's what's mm -hmm. that's what matters. Yeah, it matters to God. Other thoughts. And I mean there have been so many times in my life that I should have been dead. Mm -hmm. And I and I'm not. So so and I I'm 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 supportive and say amen to all these kinds of things of the unanswered prayer that we thought life should go this way and instead it went that way. Um, so, so that God led us in a way that was better for us. But in terms of the spiritual life and what God is doing in us, what kind of things are being formed in us that are eternal? And if we, if we for, so, so for example, I, I shall not want, of course, you turn on your TV. Well, I want that. <laughs> or I've seen after I want that suggests that there's another I think you're touching on but so so um I, I, I'm trying to aim at some virtue language maybe let me just let me let me just read you from sec uh, the, the path that came to mind was I'm sorry I'll read that and then I'll push up the share I'll give you the floor um second Peter chapter one. So he said, I'm going to read an extended um, passage. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus, our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through, the New King James has lust, but I think we would better to say disordered desire, because it's not a sexual thing that we always go to with that word. Um, so the idea of disordered, that we've escaped disordered desire, and there's a natural thing we want that really isn't what is gonna fulfill us. So there's a level that I shall not want, we have to think about what we mean by want uh, and, and how we understand that. I, I sort of think that there's two levels of, of want. Um, there is like, oh, I want a cup of coffee or, or I want this thing. I mean, there clearly is, um, there clearly is the struggle against sin kind of want. You know, I'm, I'm tempted to uh, take something that's not mine because I want it, <clears throat> but there's also just want, you know, just in every appetites. And so, and then there's, there's, but there's also, <clears throat> as, as we kind of talked about in our discussion here, that, that when you, um, when you get that thing you viscerally want, mm -hmm. um, or, or, or even the thing that might be a temptation and you consume it somehow, I mean, it's a cup of coffee is satisfying if we understand it's just a cup of coffee. <clears throat> and if I didn't have it, it wouldn't be, you know, in other words, if I haven't got an addiction to I, it, well, let's be careful about that. <laughs> but, but, and that, but, but clearly the, the disordered desire is, um, 
is when we do it, we don't tend to end up satisfied. We tend to, we wanted it, and then we're, and you know, C.S. Uh, Lewis in The Mere Christian talks about that too, about wanting things and how you want them, even the good things, the worldwide trip, the, the perfect relationship, when you get that, somehow, okay, I'm still unsettled in it. Mm-hmm. So there's a deeper level of desire that comes from, from um, that, that, that can only be fulfilled in that relationship with God, that um, we, through partakers of the divine nature to the gift of the spirit we have this this relationship and it's it seems like when we talk about the life of prayer prayer and all of its various aspects and avenues we're talking about growing into this relationship and as we as we grow into it and it looms larger some have a greater awareness that that's okay i thought i wanted that but i in the perspective here i have a better perspective and he goes on to say this, though, this is some of the language I was kind of aiming at. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So the level where we go through something we wanted and didn't get, but we learned uh, greater wisdom about something, we learned to persevere through a season. So the idea of virtue, and I think this is something that's important. Uh, to understand is that these are eternal things. That is to say, as you grow in the image of Christ, the growth you experience is a real thing that, that goes with you beyond the life. And that's, I think that's partly of the parable of the talents where, you know, uh, oh, you, 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 you worked with the gifts you've been given and produced, you know, things that were eternal versus um, the people that, you, that, that he says he, he'll be saved, but just like through salvation, but there wasn't the building up of the eternal thing. So it's, and I think one of the problems in our culture with the idea of salvation, sometimes characterized sort of as in insurance policy terms, it gets separated from the actual experience of life. But salvation, as Peter points it out, is to be saved from the corruption that is in the world. orienting our affections towards God in our prayer and beginning to 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 uh, accumulate these virtues that, that allow us to, to 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 love more effectively and give and those are real things when we get to do them we find ourselves to be more fulfilled human beings and we go oh wow this is good this is my life is full whereas in our world it's one of the, one of the paradoxes of hey what do you want you know this we have this image of okay you you work and you make a lot of money to buy a lot of things. And I, I see that I, I always struck me this one day I was watching a, uh, something in the commercial came on with a guy in the bay on his yacht. It was for an investment firm that had successfully made this guy rich, supposedly. But cruising around the yacht in his retirement, it just seemed like that could equally be an image of hell. Yeah, you're just on yes. your boat 
by yourself, you're not be connected, and, yeah. and, and sometimes you, 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 you pursue all these things, and the more money you have, the more you can excite, but you're still alone in that. Whereas, you know, and, and so um, it, it is why in, in the spiritual life, money is not evil, it's a temptation, though. And, and, and it is why, though, you know, a real one. And so, so th this is the thing I shall not want when I think of that deeper desire, the cultivation of virtue that actually connects us with God, that actually connects us with others because we can begin to love in a better way. So rather than being, you know, separated because we're always complaining about each other, we, we grow an ability to, to, you know, to, to be present for and with each other. So I shall not want. So there'll be, there's, there's, he always is, 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 and, and another way to think about this, and this, people are getting at this earlier, is that he's always preparing to give us what we fully and really desire. But that means we might have to be purified of some of the other things. To have the right desires. And, and so the idea there is, is that when we're in that season where we don't fully have what we want, um, that's, I think, a book I mentioned. I, it's, the concept stays with me just because I like the word of interior freedom, word of consent. That is, I will, I will allow God to lead me here because I trust the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I trust he's going to lead me to a place that's going to provide for what I want, even though I, I don't see it. So I'm not going to, you know, and, and that was, that was contra contrasted with um, rebellion. I'm not going there. And we start praying for God to take away from us the very thing he wants us to go to. Or resignation. All right. What was the book? I'll go. Uh, Interior, <laughs> Interior Freedom by Jacques Philippe. We're going to read it. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's a good book. But that, that concept stuck with me. We're at a men's group uh, over the last few years. But so you see that consent, and we have to work on it. We have to work on it through our prayer of, of, of trusting God because we get rebellious and we get and res, resignation might be the 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 more the greater danger for a, a committed Christian. All right, I'll just carry my cross. Isn't that so? Because God doesn't God doesn't want to really give me anything good. He just you know <laughs> just, just drag my drag my way through life. That's sort of the purpose. I mean, we get rid of some stuff so that. To make room for God. That's right, and 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 it lends, of course, a pattern that we want to learn for all of life. It's just a concentrated course, and, but a badly needed one in a in a culture that has so much. But can I speak to the thing about the resignation? Yeah. Is I think sometimes when someone disturbed past, they have a tendency to project the same thing as it, you know, and they become a Christian, and it's like, oh, life's going to suck. Yeah. You know, because you regret the past and you're anxious about, I'm, I'm learning this about myself, about, you know, you project that onto the future thinking that's what your future is going to be. Well, and, and if you've had uh, uh, shepherds in your life who yeah. weren't trustworthy, Correct. it reminds me of that, I, I may have mentioned this in class, Jay, with a little, it's, it's an older study now called the Marshmallow Test, but <laughs> but they, they, they had kids uh, where they, they um, said you could have a, a marshmallow now or if you just wait 30 minutes you can have two 
And so, and they, and actually that is a high, those kids who said, I'll wait and take two, it was a huge predictor of future success. But the funny, the, the thing that stuck with me is we went to third world countries where corrupt governments and, right. and the same test, and they all took the marshmallow. Yeah, no one, <laughs> no one believed that this authority was going to actually do what they said so, it was going to yeah. do. Yeah. So this is the, the, the point of faith. We have to learn to trust. Mm-hmm. And we have to, I think we have to learn where our trust has been disordered by other, there's some healing needs to happen there. And, and that, that's why we can't just ignore the past. We have to probably, you know, I think the process is like grieving through some losses and then forgiving, which is the harder thing. <laughs> Letting go of um, your anger or anger uh, or a need for someone to have done something different and accepting life as it is now. So. But that can be a gift too, because what I'm discovering is, is that God uses those things and it's a gift now to see you know, what, what I'm seeing. So yeah. it gives you a, a gift to be able to re- relate to others who, you know, may not be able to do that. So. Well, I think that's right. I, I don't really, I've not met anyone who, who has a real impact on people's life and ministry who themselves have not suffered something they work through. The, the um, charmed life is not the training ground for, <laughs> for helping people. Uh, all right, let's go on. Uh, let's go on to uh, verse two. So he makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside beside the still waters. Um, and part of that, in 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 the light of verse one, would be finding. Um, remember, Jesus said in one. Uh, Passage where Cyber said, you know, you, you haven't eaten, and he says, well, I have food you don't know of. So it's finding that manna in the wilderness that can make it look like a green pasture if we understand it. Because the paradoxical thing, this is a very Lenten, is that it's only when we get to that place of need that we can find that kind of bread that, that is deeper. So sometimes we need that. Now he leaves me aside still waters. What, um, what role does water have in various places in the Bible? I mean, sur- surely, and we see this in its fullest Christological sense. He, yeah, the, the waters, he leads me before the waters of baptism and restores my soul. As, um, But I think we would think about this broadly as, yes, the, ba- the baptism with water, which conveys the spirit which becomes, as um, Jesus said, a well springing up. So it's a, it's a gift we grow in. It's not, again, not just, I think a lot of our errors in thinking about whether it be salvation as an insurance policy or baptism as, as this moment we got something, all result from isolating those from everything that comes thereafter. It's the beginning of something, but it's a, it's a well we continually drink from. And, and the culmination of our land will be to renew our baptismal vows. And I get, we get to sprinkle water all over everyone. Could it be too that he supplies our needs? What's that? Could it be also that he's supplying our needs? I shall not want. He leadeth me, or he maketh me lie down in green pastures. 
Yeah. Think of grass. Yeah. Like your grass. He's going to give you what you need. Yeah. I guess right. And I think, and, I think yeah. too, that the still waters, mm -hmm. as opposed to like the <laughs> floods that wipe <laughs> yeah. everybody out. But yeah, they're not. Um, yeah, that's interesting they're there. So, so that it, yeah. it's it's a it's a, a water that seems to be peaceful. It's mm -hmm. not that water can be the greatest corrosive force. Yeah. 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 Well, you didn't think of secure water. I mean, they were secure when God opened the waters for men to go through, and it was not secure for everyone. Well, the, well, this, but this is always the image of of water is always the dual image of judgment and life. It's 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 yeah, the Red Sea. It's it's baptism the same way. You're that that we see that as the image of drowning the foe, you know, of sin, Satan, death, and 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 therefore for us giving. So it's always that dual. Um, dual image. And the next verse where it says, he restores my soul, which would connect to the, the baptismal idea. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, so I think even, and to, just to keep it in this connection, so when we're experiencing our prayer, even now, that sort of sustenance is like being by the still waters and our, stores being, our soul is being restored. This is all the renewal and growing into that baptismal experience. It, it's not you know, a past baptism versus my current experience. It's the baptism that provides the image that, of, of what we continually experience. So he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So this suggests um, that we're water restoration. Now we're leading it, going in a new direction. Um, so it's not, it, it's, it's, it evolves an amendment of life there. And you're following Christ, the path, Jesus said, follow me. That's, that's a, a standard thing we, we say in both baptism and confirmation, you're supposed to follow Jesus Christ. Um, and so we want to be mindful that um, the paths of righteousness are faithful and right behavior he leads us into. Uh, because that is what opens our lives up for that blessing that God wants to give us. It is why when people say, well, you know, if they want to, you know, my sins are forgiven, I can do whatever I want. But that rebelliousness of behavior is going to keep you from getting what you really want. So be, being led in the paths of righteousness and doing what is right in God's eyes are, is the very way we're going to get what we want. What do you think? Make of the fact that how does this move all? He doesn't say he leads me along the path of righteousness like we kind of transmitted to our yeah, paths. Yeah. But he talks about leads me along paths. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, it suggests. Yeah, I haven't thought of that, but I suppose mm -hmm. it suggests. Just the various ways you might be led. It's like there's not okay. I'm just going to do this thing. We have, it, it suggests we have to discern. I think, and as a protection, maybe too. Yeah. In my own life, I've I've prayed about things and thought I was to go this way. Felt like I really was, but it was a short path. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, the path to go this way. And it's like yeah. going this way. 
Well, I think that makes, I think what that, what that gets out of my mind is that um, it presumes that we're continuously listening. So I think we reduce faith to, I'm going to obey the rules, I'm going to do this stuff. And we, we just kind of lock into to some, some, or even when we have a practice of faith that gets a little routine, it's not hearing. Yeah, I, I think that, that you have uh, this idea that it's going to, you know, it's going to go that way, and it, it's like, you know, he well, takes this. Especially when you're afraid about it, it's thinking, oh, it's going to go one way down that way, and you realize, no, it wasn't. My, I think the whole purpose for that short path was my obedience, was the fact that I would do that. And that was all that needed to be proved, so to speak. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that path had ended. And so I needed to come back and, and listen. Interesting, the image of the good shepherd leading his flock, mm -hmm. but also from behind, he still leads his flock in the different paths, too. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and yeah, so and the path of one who wanders off right. will have to come back by a different path. We'll That's come back right. To or Discipline. <laughs> timeless words of Yogi Berry, we come to the fork in the road and take it. It makes me think of protect, Christ's protection, God's protection as well, because he's going to lead me in the paths of righteousness. Yes. So, and let's, let's move on to verse 4 of that, because that really comes up. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Um, where, how, how would this tie into the experience of Israel and Christ? The crucifixion. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the crucifixion, surely, but we're, you know, some sort of the sense of the wilderness. Israel went 40 years through the desert. <clears throat> yeah, and he promised, well, I mean, he promised them life and prosperity and land and, and now all of a sudden they're they're, they're big sand trap so um well even through death we're not going to be abandoned yeah so that's right and, and we're walking through it it's not the end well and the reason we um Don't want to go through it because it feels like the end. That's what mm -hmm. we don't. Father had a good remark in the sermon yesterday about that. The disruptive nature that you have to, you have to, we don't want to be disruptive because we've been this is the end of life. I got to hold on to this. And so going through the, the area of change. Um, I'd like to interject something that I saw yesterday, and it just, it just made me think of that. And it just made my blood run cold. There's a company that is selling multi-apartments that are buried deep in the ground because something horrible is going to happen. And I thought, what would that be like to live underground with hundreds of other people? Ah, I'll take my chances on top. Isn't that just Show you to think about that, that there's a company that, or corp companies that are building these things. Well, it, it does, it does, I think, maybe um, pertaining to this kind of thought of the verse that we're in a culture where there's a lot of it's dangerous world, scary world, all kinds of things going on. So people want to make themselves safe. And the reality is you probably can't. 
entirely. I mean, you can be you're not doing doing careless things, but there's vulnerability. And so you, so the the idea that God is our, we trust in Him is the idea that you know, not being foolish, but we we can trust that He's going to take us where we need to go and not be afraid. There's quite a bit in the Bible about about the the, the destructive impact of fear. You know, I won't go out. There's a lion out there. I'm not going to go do that. I'm afraid to go do this. Afraid to take that kind of step of faith because so the the the, the comfort. Of safety um, is, um, and it's kind of paradoxical here because we're lying in green pastures, sitting by still, still waters, mm-hmm. also now walking the valley shadow of death. But but the idea that if Christ is with me in that journey, there's still the sense of sustenance mm-hmm. of, of of fulfilled desire in it that 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 comes out, um, and it, it does make the point that that. You know that, that God doesn't take us in the middle of the stuff, and um, fear of fear no evil. Fear is a big underminer. We have to, and I think it's always best to realize that we we are we do have fear, this fear, but we can pray for trust, and we can work on trusting. Um, it's better to think of the spiritual life that we do have some anger, do have some fear. And work on diminishing the one and, and growing in the in, in the virtue. Then just okay, I'm not going to be afraid. Uh, then you're talking yourself into it. C.S. Lewis also has a um, it was in Screw Tape Letters where he says instead of <clears throat> um, having them pray for virtue, make them try to be virtuous. <laughs> That's good. Oh my God. And so the the idea is very important for Lent is when you when we yeah okay yeah I lack this thing so we're we're saying no to ask God to come in and teach us this thing that we don't have if we think it's like you know white knuckling it and trying to make trying to pretend like we have what we don't have that then we'll get frustrated because we don't have it we'll feel guilty and that's not that's not the point. Also, fear I think makes you think that you're alone. And here he's saying, but you are with me, your rod and your step they comfort me. So you're not alone, even in the scariest. And so that rod and staff, let's talk about rod and staff. That's kind of interesting. What what are the what are the roles of the rod and the staff? For the shepherd. But what do they But doesn't the rod kind of lead it and put it out there and the sheep will go around it kind of kind of guides the sheep. Yeah. yeah, and then the rod was like, ah, come back here. Well, I, there's a discipline nature to yeah. this, you know, of knocking a recalcitrant sheep back in line. Um, that's what they had. I remember Bishop Morris used to give a sermon about, like, the, uh, I, I don't know if it was true, I just heard the sermon. But, you know, the, the most of the, the, the shepherd staffs had that sort of hook on it. Right. But he said the Basque shepherds had a ball. Oh, wow. Like, and it was mostly, <laughs> mostly they... They kind of, um, you know, and, and, and I, I do think that shepherd um, image does speak of, of discipline. I think of the passage you have from Hebrews yesterday at morning prayer to begin Lent. Uh, what God you know, chastises every son he receives if we're not disciplined, mm-hmm. we're not really children. So the idea that that um, that, that discipline the leading to the right place and the discipline to bring us back when we get out of that right place 
are equally part parts of the shepherd's role. And also feeding off wild animals too. So, I, I, you know, there, so there, there, that, that kind of idea, which, which if we're going to follow the Good Shepherd through the wilderness, we, all, we have to be mindful of what is he teaching me through this, which means a certain amount of self-reflection, of, of humility, okay, I'm, I'm learning something. And that's, that is, um, I think that's, the overarching perspective on the spiritual life that, that separates it from the way that life is typically looked at is we're called to learn to discern what God is doing within us through these things we're suffering within us and, you know, the people we're, we're, we're interacting with. Uh, whereas I think there's a tendency to think, well, why is God doing this to me? <laughs> And, and so the, 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 the formative question assumes that there's a good intent and discerns what God, and, and, and has to focus on the eternal things as opposed to the temporal, where we get too temporal, it just gets to be, I want this thing, I want this thing, why aren't you giving me that thing? Or, or just see a struggle as something to endure to get to the other side as opposed to something that it is in and of itself, formative. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Now, this is a, a biblical theme that we're not always comfortable with. I mean, just from the standpoint of, yeah, my enemies, see? <laughs> I'm eating, you're not eating. <laughs> But the idea of triumph, of victory over, of, of those who, um, the forces that opposed, now, now that, that, now there's victory over. Um, and of course, we talked about that in the spiritual life. We think of the enemies as the world, the flesh, and the devil. Specifically, the, the devil is a defeated foe. Uh, that we have conquered. Um, and it would suggest here again that the, the sustenance we get, even though the enemies are there, we still are sustained in the, in the middle of this because that would be certainly Jesus in the wilderness um, the table in the, in, in the presence of the evil one he's being tempted by is simply the word of God the, 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 that he holds on to that sustains him um, and becomes, it, so I think there's something to that kind of imagery. I think about the table too, I think about communion, about that we're, yeah. we're at his table, we're taking, taking him in and it, it is in the presence of Right. of the evil one. Well, I think sacramentally that mm -hmm. is always there yeah. in all circumstances, not dependent upon the outward that always sustains us. Um, in John 6, especially I'm the bread of life, you come to me, will never hunger, you believe first. Um, clearly doesn't mean a perpetual 
fast food order. <laughs> um, and then the oil of anointing kind of speaks of the oil of or anointed because it's the spirit, the anointing and confirmation. Um, but there's also the, the anointing also is a sign of being chosen because anointing my head with oil, anointing the word for anoint is Messiah, is a derivative form of that. And so um, to be anointed with oil is a sign of God's favor. My cup runs over. I, I think it, a lot of things too um, depend always on our perspective, and it's why it's why the perspective of prayer is so central. Because um, when we drift from that relationship with God that we experience through our prayer, um, we lose the eyes to see um, how my cup is running over. We begin to focus on what's not in the cup or what's not here. And, and we, we get into that, that dearth of the world, but we come back into our prayer and we, we, we begin to see what God is doing. And um, so a lot of this is perspective. It's why, it, 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 is, it is why, you know, when we're thinking about Lent, it, it can't just be all these things we're not doing to make ourselves miserable. It's got to be um, what we are embracing to grow. What are we saying no to so we can say yes to hearing God's voice more clearly. And when we hear that, then we say, okay, I see what you're doing there. And the cup all of a sudden seems full and abundant, but the more we drift from that. So it's, it's really related to our prayer continually. So surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How do goodness and mercy follow? Yeah, each and every one of us here. Goodness and mercy. So, so yeah, it's that, that continual, you know, the good that God intends, so His favor towards us. And mercy would seem to, to, to speak of that perpetual grace of forgiveness. Yes. That, that, um, that though we stumble in a thousand ways, uh, God, God's uh, mercy abides over us in Christ. Along with his pride. <laughs> right, yeah. But that's also his mercy, because again, again, when when you when you the image of the lost sheep seeking the lost sheep, in the full sense is yes, you've you've gone off where you shouldn't go, and you're being harmed. So so the mercy to come get you, but then the prod to, you know, I think it's that rod and staff image comes back mm -hmm. together there. You know, I'm gonna lead you back, but I might have to. Uh, I might have to, uh, I, I think I heard one story of one of the shepherd breaking a sheep's leg because it wouldn't come. And so he hit back, he healed the leg and come back. Um, I don't know if that's an evangelistic tool that we want to, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes like, oh, you won't listen? Yeah, <laughs>
How do you like me now? Yeah, it's got it's dangerous as a yeah, matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and if they had goodness that Romans eight twenty eight, God works in all things for good. And that 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 sort of overarching providential goodness in our lives, which is a grace. It, it doesn't and we'll be clear though God I think in in um reality wants it for all, but those who have a, 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 a relationship with him in Christ, a covenant relationship through baptism and faith, experience this as a central reality of life. Um, and Anthony Wright emphasizes that verse in Romans that it's with, it's not necessarily for, but with, so it has to be a collaborative sort of. So explain that one. Um, where he says, for all, all things are um, uh, intended for good, for those who work with God. I, 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 can't, ex I can't say it exactly how he says well, it. Well, it's, it's those who love God and are the call according to his purpose. Right, right. So his he purpose. Must brings be. out the word instead of for, with, and so, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. I mean, so we, we can't, we have to work with, There's, we can't separate God's, um, enduring yeah. mercy and favor from our response of faith that 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 consents to come I along. Love that word consent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and 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 we we should note here again that when it says God works in all things for good, it doesn't mean all things are good. And we have to be very careful about certain language people use. Well, why did God do that? Well, what he did that for, the reason he had that person killed, or the reason this car action happened, is like you're making God the author of the disorder. Right. Uh, God has is, is, is allowed the world, allows the world. It struck me, um, God's allowance of things to happen struck me going through Genesis 4 again this year. It was just, wait a minute. God knows that because Cain's countenance is falling, he's going to go kill his brother. Mm -hmm. God, aren't you gonna? Go get <laughs> aren't you gonna stop it? <laughs> so, so that's that's an important lesson for our human condition that God does not do that. But it, God didn't go kill your brother because what I really want to have happen is this. I mean, it, it's it's the interaction of human free will that that is is the origin of the evil. But it's God, God's sovereignty that brings the good out of the evil. So the crucifixion is an evil perpetuated by, you know, the Jewish and Roman authorities conspired to, to sentence the Son of God to death. God worked in it to make it the means of our salvation. So when we think about in our lives, a lot of things happen that aren't in and of themselves good, but God can use that, that chaos, and bring it into his, his new creation. And it's very important not to make God the, the source of the evil. Why did he, why did he do that? You know, which just you know, it, it's it's it just leads to all kinds of problems. And it says, um, "I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." And I think it's important here to understand that we we already dwell in the house of the Lord. Um, how is that so? What is the what is the temple in the New Testament? The body of Christ. It's the spirit dwelling in us, so it makes us a temple, and then together the body of Christ. We dwell 
in Christ now. And so that will, that's, that's a reality we live in that isn't going to go away, which, which is, is what we talk about eternal, having eternal life has to mean having a life that doesn't have an end to it because we're already living in this. This, this, this actually, this language comes out, we do this maybe a subsequent study, maybe around Pentecost or something, but it, it struck me this language of, of John's gospel um, about, about a couple of different passages. Jesus says, I, I, uh, I go and prepare a place for you, and, and if I go, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you might be also. We might naturally think that's thinking about the second coming of our Lord. But if we look at the other passage where he talks about the Spirit coming, he said, he, um, he who, who he loves, he keeps my commandments. I'm going to paraphrase poorly, but uh, uh, my Father and I will love and will come and make our home with him. Wow. And, um, um, and the home there uh, is the same word, although we love the, the, the King James in my father's house are many mansions. It really means just dwelling place. It's the same word. I go and pray a place, and now we'll come and we'll we'll make our home with you. So he's living with us. We're living with him in the spirit. There's a future reality that that will be like visible and not any sense of separation. But the the going away and receiving in the gift of the spirit, he he brings us to him. And we get that image in, say, Revelation, where the church is worshiping in the presence of God. We get that in St. Paul in Ephesians, where he says we've been raised up and made to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're, we're already in it, and we're growing more and more into it. So. And into new creation. It isn't just in the spirit, either. I mean, the body will be there. Yes, the, the body, I mean, we are in the body now, but it's animated by the spirit. I think that's the, that, that's the life, my theory is that's the life force of the new creation that replaces the old life force of blood. But that vision of in Revelation, in the heavenlies, that, that's, what, that's what we're building and, and virtuous, there are hope, uh, uh, Prayer, language, every, everything that God wants to give us and we desire, shall not want, is building toward that vision. Let's build that to it. And we have it, and this is kind of the idea we have it now in the spirit, a satisfaction that doesn't take away the what fulfills and leaves unfulfilled both at the same time. Another thing to you, sorry, I kind of on this NTU right overall, but he talks about that where he says, that it, that the word actually suggests like a, a resting place that you're on a journey and you go and you rest there, but it's a temporary kind of resting place, kind of like that we because we have a, this whole tendency to think of heaven. I'm going to go to heaven, but it's really God's going to come and dwell with us here in, in His new creation. So I really like that idea because it's kind of like, well, what what's going on with them? They're in a temporary resting. Yeah, now, I, I think most of the errors in this, what we can kind of hold another Bible class on this, so that's what I call eschatology, but I think all the errors are, all these errors of, of the separation of heaven and life now tend to result from the need to resolve the paradox that we're already in Christ, but not yet in Christ. So it either becomes we have to over 
work how much he's here now and make the world perfect, or we have to put it off to the future and act like nothing is here now, and, and that tension is the right place to live. And I think of too, when we're worshiping on Sunday, you brought this up, that we really are joining heaven and earth together in that, in that moment of, of worship. That we're experiencing, yeah, again, yeah. that central reality. So, all right, well, good. We did Psalm 23, so <laughs> Psalm 91 is teed up, and Psalm it's, it's, it's central because it's our, um, our uh, gradual psalm on the first Sunday in Lent. Uh, and, and it's also the contains the verse that the devil quoted to Jesus to give his angels charge over them to keep you. So, all right, let us pray. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us, be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us, give us peace this day and forevermore. Amen. Good to have you all with us online. Although we can, you can see us, we can't, no one can see you, but we had Griselda Mimi, Jim Phyllis, Robert, Cheryl here. Everyone can uh, say hi to our, our friends online. And hopefully next week we'll have our Zoom thing with our nice big new, we be in my office hopefully with my, my new thing. Uh, so we're working on that. It's very impressive. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, they yeah. can't force the speaker. I hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like,